Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings, sponsored by BG Products. Be good to your customers with BG. The Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast is your source for automotive industry leaders, innovators, and top performers, providing you with the latest ideas, technology, customer trends, and performance improvement strategies. And now, here's Ted Ings. I'm looking forward to this next segment because it really covers uh, an area that we have not discussed yet in depth at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. I'd like to welcome back to the event, Andy Wright, who is the managing partner at Vinard Dealerships. Andy, welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Thanks, Ted. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me. Hey, you know, you've always got great insights. And um, I was reading uh, a few weeks back on LinkedIn, uh, one of your articles, which caught my eye. And yeah. uh, apparently, Andy, it's caught a lot of people's eye um, yes. because it's entitled Auto Industry Stakeholders Need to Come Together on a Standardized Data Convention. And, you know, it resonated with me because some of the speakers here earlier today on the Fixed Ops Roundtable have been talking about that data. And uh, one mentioned the phrase, data is the new oil. And yes. uh, you're addressing the, this topic, Andy. Uh, head on. And, you know, coming from your position, you know, at the top in retail over several dealerships in Pennsylvania, very well respected in the industry. Um, you know, you've got a great megaphone with which to, uh, you know, to talk about this. So uh, I'd, I'd like to kind of get your insights on it and, you know, take us through what prompted you to to write this and to, to bring this to the forefront. Yeah. So really what prompted me to write this article was just, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of had this lingering passion for this topic. Uh, and it really is the result of the exposure I've had at so many levels, uh, particularly with, with some of my OEM brands. Uh, in this case, you know, I'm, the, I'm one of the Eastern region, Northeast region representatives uh, for Hyundai dealers on the Hyundai National Dealer Advisory Board. Uh, I serve on a subcommittee with uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, and I'm involved with a number of other organizations and uh, I, I am in, in constant contact with people all around the industry. I'm on Dealer Built, uh, our DMS company. I'm on their uh, customer advisory board, very good friends with Mike Trasati and his people over there. So I have I have a lot of insight, or, or, or I have a, I, I should say I have a front row seat to a lot of the things that are going on right now, but more importantly, the conversations that are being had. And, and you know, one of the things that I think frustrates so many franchise dealerships right now has been the, the OEM companies. Uh, splash into this whole notion that they're going to mandate s vendors and solutions that we have to use. And it just, it creates, a it, it creates a tremendous amount of friction. And, you know, if there are two things that are commonly, you know, heard of themes that we're, we're hearing about these days, it's number one, the dealership tech stack, if you've heard that lingo before. And number two, it's this whole notion of removing friction from the processes that go on at retail in our dealerships. So, and I just really believe that at the end of the day, the data is what is key. It's not so much about the solution and about, about if the widget is on this side of the screen versus that side of the screen, what color it is, what it looks like, all this other type of stuff. What I think it really revolves around is, is that, is that we, need to, we need to be able to have the insights into what's happening at retail. I certainly want to know that within my five stores. I know that our OEM partners would like to have some insight into that. I get that. I think that, you know, for the most part, that can be a very healthy thing. But I, I also think that, you know, we also need to guard against it going too far. But at the end of the day, the devil's in the data. 
So if, if we make it about the data and specifically, as I allude to in my article, a standardized data convention that will enable or facilitate the free flow of data between all the industry stakeholders, we will go a lot further in reducing the dealership tech stack and in stripping friction out of these processes. Because if our people have to continue to bounce back and forth between all these disparate systems to get the job done, or if in my case, I'm just a small five-store group here in Eastern Pennsylvania, I have a process and a, and a, and a vendor uh, or in this case, a software solution that I like to use across my platform because we've sure. devised pr- standardized processes that incorporate that. If I'm forced to then fold in another competitive solution just to check a box with a manufacturer so that mm-hmm. I can qualify for a performance bonus program or something else along those lines, mm-hmm. all that's doing is adding complexity. It's adding to my tech stack and it's adding to the friction in the process. So Again, it's all about the data. It's the data. The data will set us free. And that's what we need to focus on. You know, we've heard so much about friction with the customer and making it a a frictionless process, both in the front and in the fixed operations side. You know, there's friction internally uh, within the dealership and can be from some of these things that you're mentioning. You know, Andy, here we are at the end of 2021 coming into a new year. Uh, we've seen a year now with a lot of highs and lows, a lot of things that we didn't anticipate going into this year. How could you possibly imagine these last two years, right? If you, yeah. you couldn't make it up. Why is this such an important topic right now for auto dealers to be concerned with? Um, because I, I think, you know, again, I think our OEM partners, um, they've been they've been trying to assert themselves more uh, on this front, and they've certainly been trying to insert themselves more on this front. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the new competitors out there that we're facing that uh, whether it be the Teslas of the world or certainly mm-hmm. some of the online retailers like Carvana and whatnot. I think the important thing though, that we need to make sure we, we distinguish in our, in our deliberation of this, of this topic and whatnot is that, you know, we're still a franchise business model versus a, a, a non-franchise business model. And I still am a big believer in the franchise model as the best delivery mechanism for the retail customer uh, to, to maximize or optimize their experience and, and really deliver the, the type of ownership experience that they're looking for. But again, it's, it's, it's all this sort of jockeying for position that's going on right now that's creating all this friction. And again, if, if the reason for a mandated vendor program on, on the part of an OEM is to uh, gain insight into a dealer's operation. I, I believe that's fundamentally their primary goal with these programs is to gain insight into what's going on at retail. And then secondarily, and hopefully, uh, you know, certainly not as, as, as big, is you know, perhaps their, their desire to have a little bit more control of things. I, I think at the end of the day, they build the car, they sell it to us, we retail it to the end user. When, when we get into a, a, a situation where, uh, the, the, the retail customer enters that shopping funnel or that buying funnel, however you want to characterize it. It really needs to take over, uh, be taken over by our ecosystem that we control. Again, that doesn't mean that the manufacturer doesn't have insight or input into that. I'll give you a prime example. Okay. I have yet to come across an OEM manufacturer right now that can effectively share information and data with their dealers on our websites about cars that are currently in production or in transit with ex- estimated and even and even remotely accurately close 
dates of delivery. Yeah. Now, <laughs> if we can't accomplish that very basic function of being able to say, hey, we have this 2022 uh, vehicle that is in, pr- in production or in transit, and it's estimated to arrive at the dealership on or about this date, that, that's the beginning part of the process for a customer to find a vehicle that they want to buy and, 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 and determine an, an estimated delivery date. We can't do that very basic fundamental thing right then and there. Wow. So how can we start to really um, look at the rest of the process and say that, well, this is all broken and we need to take control of this. So again, I, I just think rather than have this be an adversarial situation, let's figure out a way to organize the data. Let's figure out a way to put the data into a standardized data convention so that it can be shared across all these various uh, systems and whatnot and and try to uh, uh, really foster conditions that will be conducive to constant innovation and service level improvement and all the things that we want if we're going to be able to compete in the market of the future. Uh, Because I have yet to come across an OEM mandated vendor program that hasn't resulted in two things, a stifling of innovation and a, a fall off in level of service. Yeah. But boy, the, the, the OEMs at the other, at the other end, they have a report that's got all their dealers rolled up into one and all it is, is a bunch of data. So let's, let's remove the solution. Let's focus on the data and let's let anybody that wants to conform to that data convention, have a seat at the table and, and compete and innovate. And, and help us all get better. What, what's the downside to that? Andy, as a consumer, I'm feeling the pain in some of the things that you're saying because I'm waiting on a 22 vehicle, uh, 20, 22 vehicle coming in right. for some time now. And yeah. I know the dealer very well. And I know the dealer does not know that information. And it's no. frustrating for me as a consumer uh, to be able to and the car is for my daughter, by the way, who's 20 years old, <laughs> who doesn't have a whole lot of patience, okay, no. in her last yeah, year of yeah. college. You know, some of the newcomers, the uh, you mentioned Tesla, Rivian, uh, who have used electrification to bypass the dealer franchise model. And I would venture to say that 99% of the people watching today are somehow vested in the dealer franchise model, as are yeah. you and I. What are What in your mind are some of the biggest challenges to overcome? Well, I think that a lot of emphasis has been put on on digital retail and digital retail solutions. And I have yet to find a player in the digital retail software business that has truly created an end-to-end solution that facilitates the capability to buy a car 100% online or 100% in-store on like a tablet, for example. And again, there's a myriad of factors that are contributing to that. But let's talk about that for a second. So if there really aren't any solutions out there, there are, there are a couple out there that I think are, are close. I've had some insight and some privy to, but, but for now, the, 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 the players in the space, certainly the big guys in the space, they really are not much more than glorified lead generation tools at this point. They, they really don't facilitate the true end-to-end uh, digital transaction experience. Um, so I, I think that the, that the big missing components are Again, going back to this tech stack and the fragmentation, we have all these players that focus on sort of one portion of the process and do it very well. So whether that be a trade evaluation tool or that be a mm-hmm. credit application or an F&I menu system and so on and so forth. So I think when we, when we look at all the, the parts of the process, 
And then we ultimately get to the point where we're ready to consummate the transaction. Because in, in, in virtually every instance, uh, we have to deal with state laws that relate to wet signature on certain documents. I know here in Pennsylvania, we still require wet signatures on uh, two or three documents that until the state of Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation come around to passing laws that will uh, enable us to do the transaction 100% digitally, we're never going to get there. But we can get pretty darn close. But even with that, we're still not where we need to be. So I think getting all the, the various players in the space to be able to uh, you know, sort of hand, handle that data as, as the customer flows, flows through the process to ultimately the point where that uh, packet of documents is produced for them electronically. You know, the one I always hear is, why can't I buy a car on DocuSign? You know, have you ever heard that before? I don't understand why, you know, I'm doing all this stuff on DocuSign now. Why can't I buy a car on DocuSign? Well, that's a very complicated answer. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that we just, we don't have all the stars aligned yet to do that, but we're close. Yeah. So I think if we can continue to work in that direction, I think we'll go a long way and um, and a long way towards towards getting there and, and ultimately achieving that. Andy, who should be leading the charge on this initiative? So that's the $64,000 question, uh, Ted. You know, I don't know who that answer is. I'd, I'd like to think that, um, again, the industry stakeholders who I define as OEMs, dealers, DMS companies, and third-party vendors, I think all four parties need to, need to determine who that's going to be. Uh, NADA has an initiative right now. Uh, I believe it's, it's called STAR, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. that they've been working on for a while. So I've had some conversations with Raphael and the team over there that are leading up that charge. And hopefully that'll start to pick up momentum. I told Raphael that I really believe that this needs to be a front and center issue at NADA this coming year. I think we're going to have a great show. I think it's going to be well attended. I think everybody's really energized on for a variety of reasons. So why not use this high profile occasion to raise the profile of this topic? But, you know, that's, that's above my pay grade, but so I think NADA can, can, can lead the charge. Okay. But, um, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's another third party that's out there that, that also will, will be able to step up and facilitate that. Maybe it could be you, Ted, who knows? But uh, I think the bottom line is, is that I think we need to start creating conditions so that we can have a conversation here, a serious conversation here about this and, and really come together and try to solve this problem. Because again, if we don't, if we create, if we continue down this path of, of erecting barriers and not breaking down barriers, it's just going to imperil our ability to effectively compete in the future market. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm passionate about it. I could tell. Andy, last question. Yeah. For today. Sure. Who has the most to gain if this were to happen? The customer. No, no question about it. No question about it that, uh, you know, we all are, we all, we all, but by all, I mean, our, our, our dealer partners, our dealer brethren and, and sisters and OEMs, everybody involved in this, in this, in this retail uh, business uh, wants the customer to ultimately realize the benefits from this collaboration. And, and right now, unfortunately, we're, we're sort of letting these, these internal squabbles amongst the stakeholders impact the customer experience. And in some instances, it's driving people away. It's driving people to places like Carvana because they think that they can't achieve that Carvana type online experience at a franchise dealership. Well, that's just not true. And we know that we, meaning the, the industry stakeholders know that, but they don't know that. And it's because we've done a lousy job creating conditions that are conducive to that happening. So all the more reason why we, we need to do this and we need to do it sooner rather than later. 
Everyone, if you haven't read the article yet, we're putting up a link on the screen where you can go ahead and access Andy Wright's article. And um, this is just the beginning of this conversation, but Andy, I can tell there's going to be a whole lot more coming. So thank you for bringing this to the forefront. I know you're going to be back. We're going to have some more to say on this as time goes on. Everyone, if you'd like to reach out, Andy Wright is the managing partner at Vinar Dealerships. Very easy to reach uh, on LinkedIn and, uh, of course, uh, through the dealership website as well. Andy, thank you so much on behalf of the on behalf of the fixed ops community for uh, for sharing this with us today and uh, spending some time uh, to to walk through this. Thank you, Ted. It's it's a pleasure. I'm happy to be on anytime. Thank you, Andy Wright from Vinart Dealerships here today at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Thanks for joining us on the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings, sponsored by BG Products. Help your customers be good for life with the Lifetime BG Protection Plan. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or any of our Fixed Ops Roundtable events, or if you'd like sponsorship information, reach out to Ted Ings at area code 212-763-0016. That's 212-763-0016. 212-763-0016.